Do you love daily fantasy sports on sites like FanDuel or DraftKings? Do you love making money? Then you're going to love our sponsor, Hammerhead DFS. Hammerhead's team of fantasy experts handle the analytics and team selection so you can worry less about the game and more about what you're going to spend your cash out on. And now for a limited time, you can get 20% off your first lineup pass with the offer code WITTENPOD20. That's 20% off your first lineup with the offer code WITTENPOD20. Terms and restrictions apply based on wherever you're playing from. And as always, please gamble responsibly. There's a good ball played in for Tony Morley. Welcome, everyone, to From Witten to Rotterdam, an Aston Villa podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Eddie Montenegro. Hi, I'm Pascal. I'm James. And we're delighted today to be joined by Christopher Fredding, chairman of the Arctic Lions Club. Christopher, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Nice to be here. I'm honored to be, the, I'm honored to be your first guest. <laughs> I mean, we needed to start out strong, and like, what a better way to go than getting someone all the way down from the Arctic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So today we have a lot to talk about. Big week uh, since our last recording in the world of Villa. Um, Transfer news, a few friendlies to talk about, that, you know, elusive call up for Grealish and the international break in general. Um, But to start, you know, the last thing we haven't been able to talk about, you know, in a while, you know, Villa had some results this week. Uh, Wickham 2, Villa 5 in a preseason friendly. I'm hearing a lot of different things. El Ghazi had two goals, including a free kick. Uh, Samada gets the second and two to the friendlies. And uh, your countryman, uh, Orian N- uh, Nealand, you know, saving a penalty. Uh, guys, I don't know if you've read too much into it, but, you know, it seems like a lot of our results in the early part of the preseason, obviously it's preseason, pinch of salt. But looking pretty good, especially some uh, some of the fringe players were trying to move on. Any thoughts? Um, I, I don't know. The whole thing with preseason, I think it means nothing. If we, if we rewind the clock a year ago, I remember we beat uh, Leipzig 3-1 away. And at that point, I thought, oh, my God, we're going to be like really good this season. Yeah. And then, you know, by the time we got to December, we had a bit of a reality check with like the, the results in the Premier League. So you can't really judge anything by preseason. You know, uh, El Ghazi... He's that kind of player that when the games don't really matter, he seems to turn up. Other than the playoff final, of course, obviously that was a big game. But he's the kind of player who I think almost crumbles under the pressure of having like a big audience behind him normally from time to time. So yeah, I never get carried away preseason. I mean, this whole week has been kind of like people just need to calm down a little bit. It's like... Yeah, everyone went mad about the Grealish thing and then a couple of days later he gets called up and then everyone went mad about signings and then we signed Matty Cash and like I just feel there needs to be a bit of calm. It's a snowball effect. Things will come into place as and when they will and we'll be fine before the season starts. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear your other guys' thoughts. Yeah, I think we're known to have yeah. a great training ground players. Uh, Dean Smith said it, yeah. him, said it himself and... Jack really saying that uh, Anvar Legazi is like world class in training. Yeah. So I don't know what to take from the friendlies, actually. 
Yeah, that's the thing. As you guys said, it's it's a friendly match. I mean, it's not a bad intensity. A league match can be played that. I'm a bit, little bit disappointed about the lack of coverage that's been provided by Villa. Really, um, it'd be nice to have a proper insight and proper reports to know, you know, what's gone in the game. Um, even if they can't have the cameras in, which I don't know why they can't, because surely they can. They can have cameras and just to give the fans something to to look out for. Because normally the friendly games are on. You know, online available, but fortunately not. So we're just guessing, aren't we? Really, we, you know, it, it seems we're just guessing what happened, what the score was, who scored, who played well. But it's um, if um, if Samantha has scored twice in two games, that's that's positive because he he needs goals desperately. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, I mean, the way I'm kind of seeing it is some of these fringe players taking a little bit of confidence into the season and you know, preparation for that first game, especially for. I mean, we're going to get on to transfers later, but if we're still not getting too many folks to the door by the time we're we're kicking off against Sheffield United, you know, I, I I really do hope someone like El Ghazi can kick on from last season and have a little bit of confidence going in. Samada, like, hit the ground running. Um, you know, you spent upwards of, what was he, 15, 17 million last year in January? You know, that's a lot of money for someone to sit on the bench for the next year plus. So I really do hope, while I remain a little skeptical, uh, that a few of them can take some positives out of this. And they play Arsenal today, so I'm, hopefully we'll hear a little bit more about that, like James said, than we have in the last two, because you're right, it has been a little bit quiet, especially considered last year. Like, you know, things were on Villa TV, you could get the feed. I don't know. What do you guys think of the whole way preseason kind of going? Because obviously it's a different preseason, but it's it seems like uh, other clubs aren't doing it this way right now. Yeah, I agree with what James said. There's just a whole lack of coverage, which as a fan, especially from all of us who like live abroad and we don't live in the UK, it's quite disappointing because this is the only way as a fan abroad we get to watch the games, like, you know, on YouTube or Villa TV or whatever other services they may offer. Hopefully, as it's at the Emirates, Arsenal may offer more of kind of an insight into the preseason friendly. But you are right. It's just very quiet in general. That preseason. It's very secretive and I'm not quite sure why that is. Yeah. And everyone is away on international duty as well. True. It gets a lot of Arsenal players as well. True. Yeah. It'll be interesting what squad. Sorry, it'll be interesting what squad he puts out today. Yeah. Or like the key players on international duty. We said last week it's a really strange time to have international games. Firstly, they're not going to be fit, and secondly, you know, it's just disrupting every every club side going. Um, I'm just I. well, British has been injured already, as I'm sure we'll get on to. I'm, I'm just worried what we might see from the international games. Is anyone going to come back with injuries and have to miss the start of the season? Yeah, and I think that's a good transition. We can skip ahead a little bit. Um, yeah, a little bit of surprising news coming out of St. George's Park where English, England plays in practices. Um, yeah, Grealish, last-minute addition with Marcus Rashford dropping out to the England squad. Um, I mean, I know how I'm feeling about this, but I'd love to get the thoughts of, you know, you folks, especially the folks who actually root for England. <laughs> so I think it's fair to say, you know, completely shocked to see Grealish get the call up. Um, we cool talking last week with you guys and we were all pretty negative about the prospects of it happening. Um, Southgate just didn't, for whatever reason, seem to either rate him Ray Grealish or like the attitude of him. So 
I really wonder what's changed since then. Um, from from thinking back to the last week, well, at the time we recorded the podcast, which was a good 24 hours before Grealish got called up, we knew at that point that Rashford was out and it didn't look like Jack had any prospects of getting into the squad then. So really surprised, especially given the comments of Southgate prior to that. Um, he fully deserves his chance. Um, he was exceptional for the first part of last season, as we all know, and you know, he's a great, great season before that as well. He wasn't quite the same influential himself um, post-lockdown. However, his form over the whole season, I think, does merit the call-up. I mean, you know, for what he could bring to the England side um, in terms of goals, assists and being able to carry the ball, I think he certainly deserves his chance. I've got no doubt that had COVID, the lockdown not happened, that he would have made that squad, you know, in March and been pushing for the, you know, the the squad for the tournament as well. Um, the only disappointing thing, which seems to be pretty typical of things at the moment with, with Jack and England, is he, he seems to have not uh, pulled up a knock in training. So really hoping he's nothing too serious. But other than that, I'm, I'm absolutely ecstatic for him. OK, um, sorry, as an Englishman, like on a personal level and on an international level, I'm delighted for him. You know, finally, we've got England's most creative midfielder in the England squad, which is what the fans have been crying out for for the last season. You know, he was told to do it in the Premier League. He did it in the Premier League. And then last week, it was such a disappointing blow, especially for Villa fans, you know, when he wasn't called up initially by Southgate. Um, but now he has the opportunity. So the question is, is he going to get game time? Um, is he there just to make up the numbers or is he going to get a little cameo? And if he does get a little cameo, because I, I, I don't think he'll start, uh, I think he'll go with Sterling and uh, Jalen Sancho on the wings and maybe bring Grealish off the bench, maybe later on, depending on how the game's going. Um, and depends if he gets any game time, can he can he really grasp the opportunity with both hands? Because that's what all of us as Villa fans are like desperate for, really, to show Jack Grealish can do on the international stage. Yeah. I've, um, I've just, uh, just to uh, mention, I've just seen on Twitter, um, it seems that Foden's going to be starting today. Yeah, I'm happy for Foden. Really, really like Foden. Really good player. Yeah. Chris, as a, you know, a villain abroad, I'd love to hear your thoughts as someone with like, no real attachment to the England team. Unless you are you know, a secret England fan. Uh, maybe I am. Maybe I am. Uh, okay. What I don't want Grealish to do is like, come on for 10 minutes if England are 4-0 up. Mm. I want him to, you know, you know the Twitter arguments with the Leeds fans. Uh, a kind of in a dream <laughs> world, we want Calvin Phillips to <laughs> make a disastrous mistake, and uh, we want Grealish to be brought on and save England miraculously. Right? <laughs> yeah, a man after my own heart, because that's that's an outcome that I can kind of hope for um, as a neutral as well. Yeah. I would truth be told, I don't, I don't follow much international football, uh, Norwegian national team, but um, I think I'm going to have an eye tonight because the first game is on tonight of the two international England games. And yeah, I want to yeah. watch if, if Grealish comes on. Yeah, um, I think one of the things that I'm taking a lot of positives from, because, you know, like, I'd say I'm kind of like a secondary English fan just because there's not much to root for in terms of the U.S. men's national team. Um, but in terms of one of the things that like, I'm feeling pretty good about is 
hearing, I think Jack's saying all the right things, you know, every time he profiles, you know, I'm treating this like a trial. I have three training cramps to, you know, make my place for the Euros. Like I need to treat it like I'm just trying to make the team in general. Like I feel like part of the issue that I think a lot of folks kind of pointed to between him and Southgate was like an attitude thing from the U21s. You know, he turned up with the training a few times and all that stuff. But I think now he's really like kind of, you know, he has that maturity. He's captain to his club, you know, his boyhood club. Like he's, you know, he's 24, he's not 19. So I think now is a really good moment for him to kind of go and redefine himself in the eyes of the England setup. So, you know, I hear that, I heard about that knock that James mentioned. Hopefully it's not too bad. He seems like he has been training. So, um, yeah, I'm just hoping he gets a little bit of time and like, Chris here like I, I hope he gets a little bit more than a cameo and like sort of a dumpster game because you know Southgate can point to that and be like oh I didn't make an impact with the five minutes left at the end like what's someone gonna do you know 25 minutes chasing a game or it's tied that's when Grealish is gonna come in and make a difference especially with all that talent around him so yeah yeah um Sorry, yeah. I, just one more thing back to the England thing. It, it reminds me of 10 years ago when we had Gareth Barry and he was um, on the fringes of the England setup as well. And once he got that first call-up and that first cap, he was pretty much a mainstay in the England side for like the next five or six years. And hopefully Jack Greenish can have a similar impact. Once he gets his opportunity, he will be like one of the first names on the team sheet. So yeah, best of luck, man. We all wish him well. Yeah. And on the tails of Gareth Barry uh, retiring. So I think that's, uh, yeah. you know, written in the stars right now. And, uh, how how great was it to see uh, Grealish turn up in his Villa tracksuit to the uh, the training? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with the Birmingham accent. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Just like, oh, I finally made it. Um, yeah, it was uh, like everyone said, like a little overwhelming. A lot of pride for him, and I just hope it kicks off. Speaking of internationals, though, you know he's long. He's definitely the one I think we all have the most eyes on right now. Like a few other. Villains were in uh, in action. Um, Connor Hurahan played the entire game the other day for the Republic of Ireland. John Begin won a penalty yesterday for Scotland. Um, Nyland was on the bench for Norway. One Howland scored his first goal for Norway, which was very exciting to watch. Uh, but um, have you guys watched any of these Nations League games? Any thoughts on you know what you've seen our boys doing out there? <clears throat> Uh, no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I can't. I'll have to be honest, I haven't watched a single minute of... And actually, I'll tell you a lie, I watched a little bit of Germany, Spain. Yeah. And uh, again, back to what Chris said about the whole Leeds-Aston Villa rivalry that's coming up. It was hilarious to watch Rodrigo miss uh, pretty much an open goal uh, after he rounded the keeper. Yeah. Uh, that's all I've seen, really. I haven't really, you know, I don't really watch too much international football as well, apart from like, uh, my own team, unless it's like the World Cup or the yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So for me, really, I'm, I'm Villa first, and then whichever team has got a Villa player playing, I might keep an eye on. But yeah, I can't get myself interested for these games. It's just a glorified friendly, isn't it? Yeah, I think we can all get behind the club before country, right? Yeah, 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 hundred yeah. percent. I haven't even seen the Holland goal uh, you were speaking of, uh, Eddie. Yeah, it was a little bit of like a back heel while they were. It was kind of like a garbage time goal. Like they weren't going to come back at that point, but uh, it was a nice finish. Yeah. But kind of thinking about it, I think one of the like, I, I watched a little bit because different times. So I'm, I'm still at work kind of like wrapping up my day when the games come on. But I watched a little bit of the Scotland team and the Ireland team. 
you know, I know Grealish could have played for Ireland, but like my whole thought was just like every team here just needs Jack Grealish in terms of like how they play, what they're trying to do. Like so many of the UK teams and, you know, Ireland as well, just kind of lack that like really creative ball handling midfielder. And I just always thought it was funny that like, you know, England has one and one of such quality like Grealish we haven't been utilizing. So I do hope it was one of those things that just kind of hammered it home for me a little bit. But uh, moving on, I'm just thinking about that Rodrigo thing. It's a good transition. He went to Leeds for like 27 million, something a little bit in that range. Yeah. And, okay. you know, three goals in the last like two years or something crazy like that. So I think that's a good segue into transfers because we have a lot to talk about in terms of fees, in terms of, you know, targets, in terms of like if it's worth it to go after someone who's, I don't know if you guys have been seeing Villa Twitter as much as I have, but it's it's like a war zone. People are just no one, no pleasing anyone. Yeah, no one can seem to agree on what kind of direction the club should go in. Like some fans are saying we should be targeting Danny Ings or people like that, but we have to be realistic and we're not currently at that level as a club. Unfortunately, due to just staying up in the Premier League by a point last season, it just doesn't work like that. We can't go out and spend, you know, all this money on these international strikers because are they going to want to come to the club? Um, and you're right, it's just, on Twitter, it's just a war zone. Um, it's not realistic in the targets that some people are saying. I saw, I saw Suarez because he's on a free transfer. I was like, are you crazy? We're never, ever going to sign a player of that kind of calibre. You know, he's, he's going to be on like £200,000 a week or whatever like that. Yeah. So you can just let the club do what it's doing. Uh, we'll get there eventually. Yeah. Chris, what are you thinking about all this? I know, like, you know, pretty big Twitter presence there for the Arctic Lions and yourself. So, like, what have you been seeing? How have you just sort of thought about this transfer window? Because it seems crazier than it has in the past. Yeah, first of all, I think uh, Twitter, especially the last year with, um, with lockdown and everything, it's it's a toxic place. You can't say anything and you get slagged off for opinions. And, uh, yeah, Twitter is... Uh, ITK accounts and um, <laughs> I really you can't believe anything you read on there really. But uh, yeah, yeah. I think we yeah. touch into that later with um, the Wilson rumors and uh, the Watkins rumors, everything. Oh, we're gonna get into it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think the one piece of good news we can kind of latch on to: Maddie Cash, first man through the door. Um, you know, I think it was 14 million rising to 16 with that on something like that from Forrest. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I watched Forrest, but I did see him score a goal against us in that crazy 5-5. <clears throat> he seems like a real character guy. His family was all involved in the interviews and stuff. Um, I mean, I'm delighted to see him come to the door. Just, if nothing else, it's a signing, but I'd love to hear your thoughts because maybe you guys have done a little more homework than I have. So it looks like we are targeting players at the top end of the championship, so the top six or eight clubs or so, looking at their best players um, and looking to sign those up. Obviously, it's gone against what we tried last season. Um, we we obviously scoured Europe and focused on the Belgium League in particular um, with Samarta and uh, Wesley and Marvellous. And so now this season, it seems... Looking at obviously we're going for Watkins and we've now signed Cash and we're just trying to pick off the best players in the championship. I think we've got to appreciate we're at a sort of level at the moment where we're not going to be able to get 
you know the, the quality of players that fans perhaps desire. But I'm a big fan of going for players that are at the right age bracket, so the, the bracket where they've still got room to improve and develop into a top top player, um, and being hungry enough as well um, to to develop further. Um, so I've only heard good things about Cash. Um, He's he's an attacking fullback by the sounds of things, a modern day fullback. Um, previously a midfielder, so we hear. From hearing and reading what uh, Dean Smith has had to say, it does seem as if he's been signed as a fullback. So what that means for Freddie and Elmo, we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, a good parameter to find out how good a signing is probably by looking at the fan base what they've had to say of the, of the club he's leaving from and I'm only really reading positive things um, he sounds like a really good professional um, and a good player as well I think he's he's got a good work rate so um, looking forward to seeing him play yeah, yeah. on the other hand um, I saw also on Twitter though but um, it's rumours that Frederick Gilbert is on his way out to Nantes because we with Matt Cash, we have three right backs now, and um, maybe we can can use Cash on another position. But uh, yeah, I don't want to see Gilbert going. Yeah, and I think one of the things that kind of struck me when I saw the Cash rumors initially is that, like, I feel like from what I've read about Cash and what I've seen from Freddie, you know, they're similar players in a lot of ways. So like, I think at first I kind of thought to myself, like, oh, like a lot of competition in one position is going to be good. We're going to move on elbow. He's going to go play for Steve Bruce or something as he always ends up doing. Um, but, you know, now I'm seeing these rumors of him potentially leaving. I'd, I'd love to get the general thoughts of you folks. Like, do you think he's being pushed out the door? Do you think Smith doesn't rate him? Like, what do we got? I love Freddie and, and I hope it's not a case of the manager doesn't rate him. Um, I know we were talking off air before that he might be homesick because uh, obviously he's got a family in, in uh, France and he might, which if, if that's the case and he wants to move back to France to play in France to be close to his family, then hats off to him. You know, great. You had a great year for us. I thought, I thought defensively he was probably our best right back more so than Elmer. I, I, like Elmer's another one. I have a lot of time for Elmer Hamidi as well, but he is aging a little bit. And yeah, so... Gilbert, really good in the tackle. Positionally, sometimes could be a little bit off. But, you know, he's only 23, 24, and there's lots of time to improve. Um, and Forest fans seem to say the same kind of thing about Matty Cash in terms of his weaknesses. Like, his positioning can be a little bit off. But this is only his first ever season playing as a right-back. As before that, when he moved to Forest, he was a right, right midfielder. So, hopefully, he can develop into that role as well. But he's rumoured to be the top right-back in the Championship, better than the likes of... Luke Ayling, who I also rate highly from Leeds as well. So again, it's positive from Villaman. It's positive. Hopefully we we turn him into a top prospect and close to that England squad one day. Yeah, yeah I've seen uh, Matt Cash been been said to be the next James Milner, uh, both on okay. and off the pitch. So if that uh, that's a half truth, then it's a big compliment for him. Yeah. Maybe not even the England right back. He's also eligible to play for Poland, and I hear he's he's kind of pushing that. So. Oh really? Okay, I didn't realize. I didn't know that. Next big thing in Poland. <laughs> <laughs> Going in. James, what are you thinking? Yeah, um, like, like we said, he, he seems to. Um, it's a really positive for going for the top championship players. Um, it's a shame. It's a shame if Gilbert is going because he does seem to have acclimatized really well to to life in England as and as a Villa player. You know, he's, he's got a great. 
seems to have a great connection with Villa fans on social media. Um, it's, it's really highly thought of at the club as well. I think there's probably room for both of them. Um, but it does appear that Cash has been signed as a right-back rather than as a midfielder. Um, looking at the quotes from Smith, you know, it, it clearly is, is thought of as a full-back. So, but whether, the, whether there's still flexibility for Gilbert to play maybe as a centre-half as well, um, if in a back three, I think that's possibly an option going forward. He can also fit in at left-back as well. So, I hope it's not the end for Gilbert. I, re- I really do. Um, but we need a squad of players. Um, as we've said so many times before, um, we, we need a squad. So, we're not going to spend 15 million for someone who's not going to play for us probably most weeks. So the likelihood of Cash will be the regular starter. Um, but I'm sure we'll still, hopefully still feel bear in the squad every week as well. Yeah, that, that old saying, you know, iron sharpens iron. You know, we want players who are pushing each other. And, you know, I have a lot of time for Elmer Hamity too. You know, Elmo's been a great servant to the club, helped us get promoted. But at the same time, like he's not going to be fighting for that spot the same way like Gilbert or cash are going to be so like i hope he sticks around i understand that you know young family connections to like coastal northern france very different than birmingham um but at the same time like i also think from a pragmatic perspective like if he were to go we'd probably see a decent profit on that uh, i think we brought him in for you know one point something mil he played out of his skin and he's this you know good side i've seen link there and a few other places um, and honestly, like looking at the France depth chart, like there's not a, a lot of right backs in France who are, you know, seeing big time at big clubs. So if you can go and kick on, like I, I could see a call up for him in the future and it would, it'd be a lot better and sweeter if it was with Villa. But uh, moving on, I mean, speaking of fullbacks departing, it's our first official kind of departure of the window. Uh, James Bree heading to Luton. Right back again. No room for him with Matty Cash. Uh, he had a good season there last year. Like, you know, he came in really highly rated out of, I want to say Barnsley, same time around when Hurahan came in. Are you guys broken up about this one? Because, you know, he's one that I thought would kick on at Villa, but he kind of got, what I've been hearing is he got bruised. So, too bruised, yeah. <laughs> nah, not really. I mean, so the the club, what I thought was really bad from the club is the club didn't even release like a goodbye, James Brie, thank you for what you've done. Um, what you've done. <laughs> which, which kinds of sums up his time at the club, really. He just couldn't get a look in, unfortunately. Um, never got a run of games. Like when he did play, he looked all right. Because yeah. I, I think back to the season where we lost to Fulham in the playoff final. I think he had a, a few games leading up to that final and he looked he looked fairly solid but just could never he just could never get the run of games requires kick on at the club so fair plays leading to the first team football best wishes yeah he's still yeah. only 22 so I think he's a bright future ahead of him if you do the right choices right clubs I seem to recall that Bree was a reasonably costly signing at the time I don't know if it was more than Hoverhan he may well have been he obviously came around the same time from Barnsley, and I think he was very highly thought of. Um, for whatever reason, hasn't really, really worked out at Villa. Um, he probably could have done with another season in the Championship. Perhaps it didn't help from his point of view that obviously we got promoted. Um, but since Dean Smith's come in, he's never really had a look in. Um, I wish him all the best. It's a bit of a shame that Villa haven't really um, thanked him for his service and so on. Um, I feel like the social media team sort of had a week off this week. Um, 
they didn't really put uh, too much into the signing of the cash. Um, we've had no updates from the friendlies, as we said. So it's just a bit of a shame, really. Not not said, you know, thanks for the service and so on. Um, I think he performed admirably when he was asked to. Um, you know, he's a pretty consistent. Um, but it's not worked out. He, don't get me wrong, he's not a Premier League player. And there's probably a reason why he's gone to Luton and uh, he's not sticking around here. So wish him all the best. Yeah, it's um, it's been it's a it's a funny one too uh, with Bree. I feel like like everyone's kind of reiterated like he just never had that like full chance. I just remember one time he played center back for us during a game of the championship, and you know we lost. Uh, I forget exactly who we were playing, but Steve Bruce came out right after. He was like he was the best player on the park, and then we didn't see him again for the rest of the season. So uh, it just kind of like sums up our transfer strategy thinking before and now thinking now but uh, I mean best of luck to him and now we have some folks to talk about who might actually be coming in the door and hopefully we're being a little more thoughtful about that so I think the first one uh, Sergio Romero out of Manchester United goalkeeper Argentine famously kind of stepped up in that big penalty shootout in the World Cup Ron Blar got stonewalled first uh, first one I mean, I think, especially with Heaton not being ready to go, we need someone in who's going to be a little bit more sure-handed. I think that'll open up the door to, like, move on a couple of the goalkeepers, uh, Neyland and Kalinic especially, who I don't think Smith is super keen on at this point. So, I mean, what do you guys think for a fee of around 8 to $10 million? Good value. Um, look, his record speaks for itself. He's got 96 caps for Argentina. He's kept, for Manu, he's kept about... 40 clean sheets in about 60-odd games. Now, obviously, the level that he was playing at was like those lower kind of Europa League teams, but, you know, you still have to respect that. I also think, because a lot of things I've seen on Twitter, which what Chris said earlier is like really toxic base regarding like Aston Villa. But one, one, thing, um, <clears throat> one thing I have seen is everyone's complaining about his age. But I think on the pitch, the goalkeeper is the one position where you need as much experience as possible. Uh, I, I would rather have like the kind of thirty-plus goalkeeper who you know can command a back, command his defence, rather than like the sprightly eighteen, nineteen-year-old kind of kid who's prone to make a mistake. So I, I think it's great value if we see it over the line, of course. Yeah, for eight millions, it's a uh, Romero is a no-brainer in my opinion. Do you think he starts over Heaton when Heaton's fit? I think he does. I think I think well, it's hard to dislodge. It depends how well he's playing it. Yeah. If he's if he comes in and he keeps like four or five clean sheets, which is probably not going to happen because we're playing some really good teams, but if he comes in and does really well, it's going to be hard to dislodge him. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. But what's good for the club is you have a decision to make about your goalkeeper because they're both equally top goalkeepers in their own rights. Uh, yeah, and as a Norwegian, obviously I'm obliged to to hail Erjan Nyland. <laughs> so. <laughs> I want him to have a good career as well, but um, is he the Aston Villa number one goalkeeper? I don't know, not at the moment. So uh, he has a decent future himself, I think, even if it's uh, at Villa or another place. So yeah, yeah it, lo- it looks like a signing of a keeper is becoming a priority um, as much as a striker at the moment. Um, looking at the amount of players we're being linked with, um, mm-hmm. I know we've been linked with um, Gazaniga. Um, and Martinez as well this week, as well as Romero, all Argentinian, funny enough. Um, but Romero has got 
some pedigree, um, great pedigree. I suppose the only concern at this point is possibly his wage. Um, I believe he's on quite a large wage at Manchester United. Um, and they probably command a decent fee as well. Um, I've, I imagine the fee won't be a problem, but whether he can match the wages on the moment, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I've, I've come around to the idea that we do need a new goalkeeper. Um, whilst we've got plenty on the books already, um, there's the uncertainty around when Heaton's going to return and whether he's going to be fully fit um, straight away. From what I've read, from what he said, he's, he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Um, and we were so much better with an experienced goalkeeper um, behind our defence towards the end of last season. So I think we need that player. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm eager, for, eager for us to sign um, Romero. Um, I think Romero is the one. You know, if you have two really experienced heads, international goalkeepers, you know, been around the block who have at least three, four, five years left, depending on how long you want that plan to go. You know, right now, coming out of the academy, we have Sinisalo, um, the Finnish international, or like the youth international. We have, what is it, Akos Anoidi? Like, there's a Hungarian international in the U23s who's really highly rated as well. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, contingency plan. Two really experienced heads to mentor, bring those guys through. Eventually, one of them's going to win out, make the bench, and, you know, try and keep it a little bit more in the family, if you know what I mean. Um, that's not something we've seen Villa do much before. And I don't necessarily think that is totally their idea, but I do see some logic connected to the fact that we do have these highly rated players that we as a club are trying like, to commit, break through a little bit more. So, you know, moving on, you know, goalkeepers are great, but I think one of the things that we were desperate for last year were goals. So I think we'll start with the obvious one because it keeps dragging on. There's not a ton of updates, but, you know, I keep thinking, I keep seeing online with all these ITKs, Watkins agreed, Watkins said, you know, body more heath, Watkins working on personal terms. But then I also see Brentford raise their price. Villa aren't going to be bothered. It's the transfer saga that won't go away. Love to hear what you guys are thinking about Ollie Watkins at this point because I'm getting a little sick of reading all of it, but I think that's because everyone keeps talking about it. <laughs> It's the one that won't go away. Um, it's also the one I think that most fans really want to happen as well, because I think he's probably, arguably, along with Ben Rama, the most exciting prospects that the club have been linked with. You know, player of the season last year in the championship, 26 plus goals, can play anywhere across the front three, played under Dean Smith before. All the signs are there. You know, it could, it could be an astute buy. On the flip side, you're getting a player from the championship and we know the level is completely different. For example, look what happened to Norwich last season. They absolutely destroyed the championship when they got promoted two years ago. And then last season, you know, they were they were dreadful. We've pretty much the same squad. Um I my 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 opinion on Ollie Watkins is this. I really want him to come to the club. However, I don't really want him as the main striker, if that makes sense. I would love to see him as part of a front three with maybe Jack on one side, Watkins on the other side. And then a more kind of, I hate saying this phrase, proven Premier League goal scorer through the middle. Whether that be Callum Wilson or, you know, Origi, Batshuayi, someone like that. But I wouldn't have Ollie Watkins as the main man just because I don't know how good he will be at this level. It's a bit of a gamble. Chris, any thoughts? Uh, you were saying Pascal... Maybe Grealish was on one on the side with Watkins. I, I think I want Grealish inside in the middle. So I, I will, I'll be happy to take two two wingers. Yeah. One on the I mean, right, that, one on the left. 
it's good to have the option though do you know what I mean it's good to have kind of the squad depth to be able to do that to uh, have Grealish as the, the number eight role or play on the yeah. wing because our midfield tree is like it's not the strongest one in the league as well maybe we need another one in there and um, Grealish in the middle we just have to fill two positions and uh, Douglas Luiz is been superb since uh, lockdown and uh, yeah in my opinion we need Grealish in the middle and get a few wingers in would you would you have Grealish McGinn and Luiz as your midfield three would that yeah. might be kind of preferred midfield three yeah and I am <laughs> uh, unpopular opinion I might be able to, I might uh, ask McGinn for some games as well okay for yeah. for Har- for Harahan or for Nakamba? Uh, maybe a new signing. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can hope. We can hope. Uh, uh, I want to to see the best of McGinn. If he is uh, playing at hundred percent, he is is uh, one of the better players in the league. Yeah. So first, I'd probably say fair play to Brentford. Um, they're playing hardball, really. Um, sort of attitude that we've had with Grealish. Um, each of their players have got a price and they're not really budging by the looks of things. Um, so, in terms of, because they've got several assets, they've got Ben Rama, they've got uh, Henry, and of course they've got Watkins, who, who we're clearly after. Um, so, Watkins doesn't seem to be linked with anyone else, as far as I can see. Um, well, we're certainly the team he's continually linked with. Um, it's not going away. I'm hopeful it will get done. Um, I think, as we said last week, he ticks all the boxes for us. Um, he's a goal scorer at championship level. Whether he can, can do that in the Premier League or not, we'll have to be have to wait and see. Um, but he can also play out left on, on the left-hand side or the right-hand side. Gives us that a pace that we've been missing so far um, in the last season. So I'm really hopeful mm-hmm. that he can make a step up. Um, I think he's a, he's a good player at championship level. He scored a lot of goals. Um, so I think it's the man that Dean Smith wants, and I'm just just urged the club to get it done now. Um, we don't want a situation where the season started and he signs or another player signs, and they, you know, they've, they've suffered with the lack of time to bed in. We don't want that sort of excuse again. You know, we could lose points, off, you know, for that sort of reason. So um, I'm just really like Villa to get it done now. Yeah, I mean. I think I say this every week, but I, I do. I'm, I remain hopeful that we get him through the door this week. Maybe that's just like trying to will it into existence, but you know, one way or another, like I just hope it gets done. But I mean, on the other side, we're talking about proven, you know, Premier League goal scorers. This is the one that's been dividing a lot of opinions this week. Callum Wilson, born with England International. I'm seeing this morning that we just outbid Newcastle um, by a million pounds. Um, for a fee of total 21 million. I mean, you know, this is splitting opinions a lot. You know, injury record's not great. Goal scoring record's, like, very respectable. He's a capped England player. He's going to cost a decent amount. What are you guys thinking? Yeah, Wilson's certainly one who's splitting opinion amongst the fans, as you say. Um, He's had a mixed bag of a goal scoring record, I think, over the past few years. Um, Last year, he only eight, scored eight goals um, in 35 games, I believe. Um, over, and he, that included a run of 15 games without a goal. Um, so, 
there's that, but then there's the season before where he scored nearly one in two. Um, so that's you know that's that, that's top level in the, in the Premier League really. If we get into that sort of form, you know the sort of figure that's been banded about that seems very very reasonable. I do recall watching him last season at Villa Park, very early on um, in the season, and he gave us a good game. He you know he's full of pace through the middle, um, cool to hold the ball up as well. Um, we really struggled against him. Um, it's a difficult one though because he's at the age now where is he going to improve? You're not not sure really because he's you know he's 28 now. Um, he may have his best year best year or two ahead of him, but he may have already had it as well. So I think the sort of money that that's been talked about is about right um, for him. But but the last thing we really want to do is get in a bidding war with another team. Um, I suppose we're we're in the same category as Newcastle. You know, we're getting, we're going to be linked to the same sorts of players, so you can understand why we're both after him. Um, but goal scorers in the Premier League are pretty few and far between, so I can see why we're why we're going for him as well. It's a really difficult one. Um, do we take a punt on someone who's not played in the league, or do we take a punt on someone who's done it before mm-hmm. in the Premier League? It's um, it's difficult. I'm seeing online today as well that. Um... Wilson wants, he prefers Newcastle over Birmingham and Aston Villa. I don't know, but <laughs> that's an odd one. <laughs> yeah, I think because um, basically Callum Wilson is born in Coventry and he's a Coventry fan. And obviously Coventry has like a massive hatred towards Villa. Now, I don't know if there's like a kind of personal thing. It'd be kind of like Damari Gray would he come to Aston Villa because obviously he's got like links with Birmingham City. Same with like Troy Deeney. And it does, it is a factor in some ways, do you know what I mean? But then the flip side is he would be close to his family. I also think we could probably pay him a lot more than Newcastle could pay him. And at that stage of career, you're, you're 28, 29, you're going to probably go for the, you know, more money because let's face it, Newcastle aren't going to be in the Europa League in the next five years or so. And probably not Villa either, unless, you know, something miraculous happens with our recruitment and the way we play football. Um, my opinion on Callum Wilson, I would rather have Josh King. I think he's, mm. I just think he's a better all-round player. Yeah. Plus he's, the, you know, he's Norwegian for you as well, Chris. But I, I, try, yeah, I, I have him in my notes <laughs> actually because, yeah. Um, yeah. His all-round game is just, it's much more dynamic, which is what I think we lacked. I mean, we had Wesley who, you know, he had a lot of critics last season, but his record, when you look at Sebastian Haller and Joel Linton, wasn't that bad, you know, for a 22-year-old kid from Brazil who, who's never played in the Premier League before. Yeah. And just even Wilson's record isn't that much better than Wesley's. You know, he's only scored more than 10 once in the Premier League. So it's a really difficult one. Uh, but for the fee, it's not that much money in the market. So you'd probably take him for... For 15, 18 million, it's good value. But if I had a choice, Josh King all day long. All oh, day long. 100%. I think Josh King offers a little more versatility. Um, you know, he's a little better on the ball. Like, you know, he plays the second striker. He can play up top. He can play on the wing. Whereas Wilson's going to be your classic number nine, just right down the middle. Um, they do different things. I think what we need a little bit more of, especially with Big West coming back as someone who can still have a role to play and not just like be, you know, a like for like, which I do think Wilson 
would be a little bit closer in terms of Wesley. Also, just like out of curiosity, um, to like two part question: If Wesley gets back fit and we sign, you know, Wilson or someone else, does he get back in the team straight away, or do you think you know that's going to be a slow road for him? And do you think if he stays fit last year, does he double figures? Um, the first part, no, I don't think he comes back in. He's had an ACL. You know, for strikers, that's like a notorious injury to come back from. You're going to lose a bit of mobility. Not that he was like the most mobile striker in the world anyway. At times, it was literally like watching a tank turn around. It's so funny to watch him run. It is. Do I think he would have hit double figures? 100%. I think he would have finished on literally about 10 goals, maybe 11, give or take. Uh, Because I think he would have finished some of the chances that Samata had and definitely some of the ones that Keenan Davis had as well. Yeah, I suspect Wesley would have scored quite a few more goals had he had the rest of the season um, and wasn't cut out by injury. Um, as you guys have said, you know, I think he would have put away some of the chances um, that mm-hmm. other strikers have failed to do as well. Um, also, I suspect that our wingers would have scored a few more goals or our wide players would have scored a few more goals um, with Wesley up front. His, his hold-up play is just, just that much better um, than Samatas, which is pretty much non-existent. Um, and, um, well, Davis is, is strong in that area. But, but yeah, um, so, yeah, as you're saying, in terms of Josh King, he's an exceptional talent. Um, he can do a bit of everything, really. So I'm surprised he hasn't been linked to another club. Um, I've not really seen him being linked um, elsewhere. And he'd be someone I'd welcome at Villa Park. He'd be a great signing for us. Again, another player who can play across the, the front line, um, but also can perhaps fit in um, behind a striker as well. Um, so yeah, I'd love to see us um, take take a, a go on on Josh King um, as opposed to Wilson. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, for me, uh, Joshua King, and obviously knowing him, him him from the papers in Norway and everything, um, he's a really a real captain material actually. In, in terms of his uh, how he is as a person, grown a lot the last years, and um, I would love to see him on the left for us with um, with uh, Jack in the middle, Josh King on the left, and Wesley up top. Should be a decent, yep. decent lineup, and whoever on the right, I don't know. Yeah, I mean. I guess the one thing that kind of gives me a little pause about King, he has a bit of a similar role in that Bournemouth team and two Ollie Watkins, you know, like can play on the left. He's really good in the link up play. He's a kind of a versatile forward who does a lot of good things. And especially with that left side, you have Jack, you have potentially Watkins or, you know, someone else who comes in to kind of be that versatile winger. And that gets real overcrowded real quick. And we suddenly see a little bit of a drought on the right. And speaking of the right, you know, the one other link I've been seeing a lot this week, I'm assuming it's paper talk because it kind of came out of the blue, but like we'll see. Nicholas Eliasson, Swedish uh, youth international, Bristol City. I was really skeptical at first seeing this one, but then I kind of remembered like we played Bristol in a friendly when we were up in training camp in Wales. Like Dean Smith's probably seen him live pretty recently. That kind of came out of nowhere, but he offers a lot of things that we don't really have. Pace, a little bit more of a direct role. Um, yeah, have you guys read too much into this one? Because I'll be honest, I've never seen him play unless he played against us, and I just didn't remember. <laughs> I've, ne- I've never seen him play. The, the signing, it screams of Lange, doesn't it? It screams of the director of football, Scandinavian link, probably 
probably selected him based on like underlying stats and things like that. You know, I watched a couple of YouTube videos, but again, you can't take anything serious from YouTube. I mean, we signed Tanev and I watched YouTube and I thought this guy was going to be like Cristiano Ronaldo or something like that. Turns out he was like far from that. Yeah. But he looks like quite direct, left-footed as well, which we don't really have, like a left-footed winger, apart from Hotter, who doesn't really look like he's going to be at the club much longer. He's two-footed, uh, actually. Oh, okay. That's even better, then. That's yeah. even better. Closer to Ronaldo every day. <laughs> Niklas uh, Eliasson, um, me being a Norwegian, and Eliasson being a Swedish, I'm obliged to, uh, no, we don't like each other at all. So. <laughs> but then I... I searched a little bit about this Eliasson. It turns out he's also Brazilian. It's a dual oh. nationalship. So it could be a decent signing then. But, uh, yeah. Brazilian blood and uh, two-footed young lad. But I don't know the thing uh, Conor Horian said a few weeks ago. There's a lot of players coming here. Can't handle the pressure of a big, big club. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can he? I don't so, know. The one thing that gives me a little bit of sort of positivity about that link is, you know, I think of, you know, the depth we had this year. We had a lot of bench players this year who like we're just never gonna get game time. Like Hata and you know, Lansbury was just like he'll get the odd five minute cameo, just taking up time with the sub. But, you know, we had some people who just like were never gonna see the field and you know, that put us in a tough situation, especially with the five subs, which thankfully never voted down. But, you know, I see Elias in, you know, as a potential squad player who can still do the things we need, you know, stretch the field a little bit with pace. He's got two feet. Um, not saying he'd be a Premier League starter, but, like, I do think looking at his assist numbers, like, he's someone who could probably come in and, like, provide you with something a little different in the Prem, especially if, you know, you can't teach speed, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Same as you guys, really. He's not someone who's ever been on my radar. Um, I've I've done some watching of YouTube videos when I, when I saw the link uh, earlier in the week. Um, he, he looks a bit of a throwback sort of winger. Um, he, he likes to get, get to the byline, um, get the ball in as a cross, and, and rather than necessarily shooting. Um, he's got two good feet by the looks of it and um, can certainly cross a ball. Um, the Obviously, the, the downsides of this, are obviously, I'm, I'm only basing an opinion on selected YouTube clips, um, which I'm, I'm sure our scouting team would have more insight than that. Um, also, of course, he's not done it at Premier League level before. Um, but for the certain money that's being talked about, I suppose it's quite low risk. Um, so, it's, again, it's a good age. Um, and he'd probably complement the squad. Um, he could be an impact sort of player. So, yeah, might be one, might be one we, uh, we might take advantage of. Yeah. Um, that kind of does it for the formal links, but like I'll, I'll kind of throw this out to the group. You know, transfer window, we got about something like a month left, maybe a little more. Um, I'd love to hear your guys' like wish list be that dispositions you want to see filled, or if there's like a one or two players you just like absolutely want to see through the door. I'll ask that you be like as realistic as you can, but like feel free to get a little creative. <laughs> I want to say Lionel Messi, but I'm not going to. So, so we can start with our guest, Chris. Uh, Chris Rebbe starts. Yeah, I have one name on my wish list. Uh, apart from the obvious ones, um, already been linked with us, but um, Joshua King is on my wish list. Uh, him, him on the left. He's a professional captain, material, 
and uh, yeah, he won't crumble under pressure. He won't. And uh, on the downside for him is uh, injury record and prone to the odd injury. I think that's it for me. Yeah, for me, uh, we I just feel as a club we lack genuine frightening pace, which yeah. a lot of these other clubs have in the Premier League. The other one that won't go away, Saeed Ben Rama as well. You know, um, and Brentford are now saying they want twenty million because obviously it was a big thing with the Diangana. I think that's how you say his name mm-hmm. from West Ham to West West Bromwich. Um, and everyone, because the, the thing is with journalism, there's so many like lazy links. Something happens and then it gets linked to something else straight away. So his name popped up as the replacement for him. And then West Ham said no, they want to buy defenders instead. So if it's a twenty million asking price. I feel like the kind of motto with this transfer window is just go and get it done, which it seems like we're not really doing. It seems like we offer a price for a player, uh, say their value is 20 million. No, we'll try 12 million and 8 million add-ons and things like that. You know, we have a really weird way of negotiating this summer. I don't know if it's down to the director of football. You know, I'm not an accountant. This could be the best way to do business. But it just it's really frustrating as a fan. You just kind of want to see it get through the door before you eventually lose that player to another another rival um, but in position wise definitely need wingers definitely definitely need wingers preferably two and then as Chris said we'd be able to put Jack in the middle you know so he can be more creative in the middle and we have genuine pace on either wings uh, but yeah Ben Rama um, I don't know maybe John Swift as well I've seen his name links I'll take him just as like a kind of the squad player and then the obvious ones Watkins Maybe Callum Wilson, if not Tammy Abraham. Yeah, Tammy. That's my, that's my dream kind of player would be Tammy Abraham. Yeah. Whether we get him or not, it's a different story, of course. Yeah, my, my, my dream signing is 100% Tammy Abraham. You know, he, he was so so good for us. He, he linked up so well with Jack. Um, obviously, he scored so many vital goals. If we could get him through the door, that'd be a real, real statement. But, um, Edward, we haven't mentioned again from Celtic. It, it, you know, he, he, he's got a lot of potential but that'd be a risky one probably the more I think about it which I've changed my opinion really the more I think about it the more I probably want a goalkeeper um, I just think we were so much better with Rainer in goal last season just as an experienced head but behind our, our defence which um, pre, pre-lockdown you know, was very unreliable but once we um, once he had the Rainer in goal and, and being consistent um, our defence looked so much better so Romero is probably the one actually if we can get him as well as, um, as Watkins and the left winger I'll be, I think they're a really good window for us. Yeah, I think for me, I, I'm kind of in Pascal's mode of thought. Like, I think the one thing we lack that was just so painful for the kind of football we we're trying to play is pace. And, you know, I'm seeing links with, like, folks like Buendia, who is a phenomenal player, can do a lot of really good things. But, like, on the break, that's not the kind of football, like, Dean Smith's trying to play. Like, you can't count with a guy like Buendia. Like, that's the, one of the problems with Norwich last year. They were obviously a lot of problems on that team, but like there wasn't a ton of pace up front and, you know, having creative players like Todd Cantwell and Emmy Buendia, you know, a good striker like Timo Pukki is, is one thing, but when you can't run past the first man, like it's, it's really, it's really tough. So Ben Rama, I mean, that was, that's the one that I keep hearing, but it sounds like he wants a bigger move. Um, Rashika is one that, you know, seems dead in the water, but you know, he's got it just someone who's going to be able to beat a man too. I, that's the big thing with 
the ITK stuff, just the transfer window in general. Like, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? And then I kind of think to myself, like, I work at a school. Like, I, <laughs> no one's paying me to make football decisions for a, a multi-million dollar organization. And I'm sure a lot of the Twitter ITKs and, you know, armchair analysts are feeling the same. So I'm trying to remain positive and trying to remain, like, upbeat about our business. I think if it's, like the eve of the Sheffield United game and cash is the only one through the door still, I'll start to have a different tune. I'll maybe get up, become a little bit more of a keyboard warrior, but until then, um, I'm just trying to trust, uh, trust the process, if you will. So, you know, this brings us to our last segment guys. And again, we're so delighted to have Chris here. Uh, but this is our global villain segment. You know, just to kind of recap, we're trying to highlight global fans all around the world, different Lions clubs, folks who are just, you know, supporting Davila on their own in different places. And, you know, what a first guest to have, Chris coming all the way from Norway. So, Chris, you know, thanks again for joining us today. And first and foremost, how about you tell the nice people, you know, where exactly in Norway are you from? And, uh, you know, give us a little bit of a geography lesson because... Oslo is kind of my anchor point for that part of the world, so. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm preparing for the long winter now. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm living at the moment uh, one hour south of Oslo. Yeah. So it's nice and sunny here now. I had breakfast out in the garden this morning, so decent and nice. But uh, originally, uh, my family is from deep inside the Arctic Circle. So that's where the Arctic lines came from uh, to have the roots inside the Arctic lines. Yeah, I often go into Oslo, the one hour drive into Oslo to meet up with other Villa fans. There's no one around here, so just the other one or two in every town. And, you know, supporting Villa from Norway, especially with, you know, local leagues and things like that and bigger teams with a few more Norwegian links, like, seems like kind of the norm. So I'd love to hear kind of like how you found your way to ask Villa of, of all places, because we all have a story. Yeah, we all have a story, yeah. <laughs> um, I think you need to know about Norway. Is, um, there's a long tradition and culture for English football in, in Norway. I think it springs back to the um, Second World War, uh, World War actually, uh, where King fled to, to London under the occupation. And we listened to the BBC radio, not me though, obviously, but uh, my parents, my grandparents, uh, to the BBC radio. And they had our television broadcast of English football from 1969. Everyone in Norway has a team from the father, the grandfather. But uh, it wasn't like that with me. Uh, I didn't find my team until late teens actually but um, I didn't want to go that down that uh, Manchester United road your Liverpool road the the mainstream sheep plastic supporter <laughs> but um, I think uh, speaking of Liverpool one percent of the Norwegian population is paying member in the Liverpool supporter club Really? Yeah. And you have another percent of the population are paying members of the Manchester United supporter club. 
That's crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we're a small nation though, close yeah. to five million people, but uh, still two percent of the population paying members of the two top clubs in England, supporter-wise. It's crazy. It is. Do you um have you ever had a chance to watch a game, a Villa game live? Uh, either at Villa Park or another stadium or anything yes, like that. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> Eddie asked me to um, try to think of my best Villa memory. And uh, I've been to Birmingham a lot. Uh, I love the city. I love the fans there. I love the people. But um, I've been to away games. I love the away games. Forest away on a loss. One of my best days. Just the atmosphere on the bus back to Birmingham. Mm. And I will, I want to say, um, yeah, Wembley at the promotion. I was there. Uh, accidentally, I stayed at the Players Hotel. So <laughs> uh, that was a big moment for me. Uh, so you got to, did you get to see anyone? Did you get to like, did you get any photos? Or yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Talk to everybody. Uh, Dean oh, Smith. <laughs> Alan Hutton's sister-in-law, crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy girl. <laughs> Alan Hutton setting off the fire alarm in the middle of the night. <laughs> that was crazy. And um, uh, did I mention the the European preseason games? Ah, been to Groningen a few years ago. Okay. Leipzig. That's a good day out. I would rather do that than go to Villa Park. Actually. We've had a few Norwegian players down the years. Who's your favourite? Uh, hard question. I would probably say John Carew. Yes. Yeah. His birthday today, actually. Birthday, yes, yeah. We, yeah, we record this Saturday. It's, it's uh, his birth, birthday. Yeah. John Carew. Birthday, John Carew. Big man. Big uh, man. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're the chairman of this sports club in Norway right now, or, you know, at least in terms of that area because you mentioned there was another kind of faction of the Norwegian Lions but um, how many other Bill supporters are in your supporters club like who are you going to the matches by yourself with the flag by yourself at the bar or you know you have a little bit of a group going and like how did you find these people how did you recruit these people yeah I think you could say the Arctic Lions uh, we are a sub-segment of the official Norwegian supporter club so we are kind of the party central we have our own flags and we don't have to Always obliged to the official rules, if you know what I'm meaning. <laughs> so you I like think, yeah, in the I official like Norwegian that. supporter club, we are 400 people, like, I, would, I would guess. Oh, wow. That's a decent, uh, decent yeah, amount. I think we are the biggest support, official supporter club outside of Ireland, being the biggest one, biggest one obviously. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I, I, um, I saw from your flag you like to drink like Vikings, so uh, how much do you like to consume when you get over to see a game? Uh, ridiculous amounts. Um, there's, there's always a story. <laughs> oh. I even went to Dubai. I don't think I met you there, Pascal, though. No, you, you went to uh, the Dubai Lions pub, yeah? Yeah. How long ago was that? At, uh, October uh, 2018, the QPR game. Okay, so I was I was here. I would have been around. I must yeah. have been working that day or something. Yeah, I was supposed to meet Simon. You probably know yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. I met him in Leipzig afterwards. Top bloke. That's yeah. what I love about Aston Villa. We're like a family and you make friends for life, actually. Mm -hmm. I just love yeah. it. Yeah. 
So for people traveling through, you know, you mentioned match days get pretty crazy. Sounds like a good time for people traveling through. Like, where do you guys end up watching? And like, maybe tell us a little about the match day atmosphere at the, yeah, you know, your local pub that you do end up watching the games. Yep. Uh, for myself, living in a small town, I watch by myself, either at home or in the pub. Uh, if I take a one-hour drive into Oslo, there's an Irish pub called O'Reilly's. So if any of you or the listeners ever are in Norway and Oslo, just my DMs are open. If I can take you to the pub, uh, I make sure someone else will. And uh, we have a city on the west coast of Norway as well called Stavanger. Uh, they're a good group there, watching in Champ Sports Bar. It's heavy with oil industry, so it's a lot of British people working in Stavanger. Mm. So if you're ever in Stavanger, take, yeah, contact me in my DMs and uh, I will get you in touch with the, the right yeah, people. Yeah, and I think what we're going to do kind of last part of the Global Villain section before we let everyone kind of do their plugs, you know, big season coming up, second season back in the prem. What are your predictions, Chris? Uh, because, you know, we're going to do our prediction show next week, but we want to get every guest's opinion, see what you're thinking right now. Are we an optimist? Are we a pessimist? My prediction, I'm forever an optimist. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm so drained right now after the being so close to relegation. Uh, and in the Premier League last time as well, I was so depressed. I couldn't watch any other football. So I would take easy mid-half table finish now any day like a boring season being <laughs> half and playing draw nil nil draws boring i would take that any day of the week now just have a relaxing season <laughs> but I, I think we can do that yeah around. i think we'd all agree i think we'd all take a mid-table finish yes yeah. the last place yeah yeah the last three seasons, the final game has decided what league we're going to play in the following season. And it's just been stressful every single time. Yeah. yeah. And I think we have to just build on that and be better and better every season. And um, in a few years' time, be up there and competing for Europe. I would love that. Yeah. Maybe you get a nice night out at a... Who's the good Norwegian team who always ends up in the Europa League? I think you refer to Rosenborg. Oh, <laughs> it's a funny story, actually, because in Norway now, yeah, you have Molde as well that uh, Solskjaer uh, managed, but uh, the top team in Norway right now is from inside Arctic Circle. Oh, it's like 5% of the population lives inside the Arctic Circle, but the top team in Norway sets record after record every week because they never lose now. So if Johan Lange listens to this podcast, uh, take a phone to me and... Uh, I can introduce you to some some good players. Oh. Are rocking up the Norwegian league now and playing playing for Europa League qualification as we speak. Oh man, we get lounge on the phone right after this. Um, but Chris, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, at this point, we want to let you plug anything. You know, do a little bit of advertising for the Arctic Lions folk traveling through. But like, you know, the floor is yours for however long you need it right now. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. It was uh, an honor. And uh, for the official Norwegian uh, Lions Club on Twitter, AVSC underscore Norway, 
Aston Villa Supporter Club Norway, uh, and also on Twitter, Arctic Lions, which I run. Uh, Villans.no on the web. Uh, there you can pay a membership for the official Lions Club. And on Facebook, you have the official Lions Club at Norway Lions. That's everything for me. Thank you. All right. Uh, James, anything to plug? No, nothing further. Um, beyond the charity thing I'm doing, the charity walk I'm doing in two weeks. And I've obviously now found out Sheffield United is uh, moved to the Sunday. So I'll be about probably about 70 miles into my walk by the time um, that kicks off. So hopefully that'll get me over the line. Nice villa win or get me out of the line. And uh, we're getting there with donations. So anything, if uh, I will post it out on Twitter again, but any donations are really gratefully appreciated. For sure. Pascal? Uh, nah, nothing for me. Just keep watching all the good stuff. Subscribe, like, comment. Uh, I'm looking forward, I'm really looking forward to next week, the prediction show, because uh, I've got a feeling all three of ours are going to be completely different. So it'll be uh, a battle of last for sure. All right. And, you know, I don't have anything to plug besides, you know, retweets appreciated, uh, you know, tweet out the link. We're going to be on Anchor. We're going to be on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, but other than that, you know, we appreciate you guys listening. If you want to get involved uh, like Chris here, I, th I think he had a good time, uh, but we'll see. Um, please let us know. Our DMs are open. But, you know, until next time, up the villa. Villa. Up the villa. Up the villa. <laughs>